Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Catherine Brown with INE. I'm the Public Relations Director. We have a great episode for you. I think you're going to get a lot of value out of this. So uh, we are really glad that you're with us today. Uh, I'm joined by Tracy Wallace and Antoine Freyman. Uh, say hi, guys. Hey, how are you? We're doing great. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Antoine. Hi. Hi. Uh, just to give you a, a brief background on both of these guys, first of all, we're very lucky to have both of them with us. Um, Tracy uh, brings more than 20 years experience. And uh, as we like to say around here, he is a treasure trove of knowledge uh, from Microsoft, certified as an Azure Solutions Architect Expert and an Azure Administrator Associate. Tracy's skills cover multiple facets of the Microsoft field. He holds a BA in Mechanical Engineering from the University of Maryland, go Terps. Stumbled upon his career in technology by accident, actually working as an economic consultant. Realized his favorite thing to do had to do with computers, so he decided to follow his passion and uh, stick with that. He has not looked back since. Tracy, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you very much uh, for having us, Catherine. And uh, yeah, I, I do want to let you know that I did force her to say that about the treasure trove. So, uh, <laughs> my fair. arm is still hurting from being twisted a little bit, but uh, it's all good. No, we're we're really excited. Tracy, uh, I know you're very shy. So, uh, you know, I'm just kidding. Tracy's the, the least shy person I know. So, so we're going to have fun today. <laughs> That's the goal. Get some information out there. Have a little bit of fun. Awesome. Uh, all right, Antoine. Antoine has worked in sales and marketing for tech companies, including Kujo and Framing Group, has a degree in full stack and AWS solution architect certification. Antoine, by the way, first generation US born after his family immigrated from the Ukraine in the 1970s. Uh, he's passionate about learning and growing in cloud knowledge, sharing that information with others, uh, which is obviously a passion here at INE as well. His mission is to provide CSAs, CISOs, CTOs, and CSOs with the tools necessary to confidently secure the public cloud and everyone benefits from that. Antoine, thank you so much for joining us today as well. Thanks for having me. All right, so today we are talking about the cloud. Want to get started, uh, let's jump right into it. Move to the cloud computing well underway. We all know uh, drastically accelerated by the global pandemic. And while it brings a lot of opportunities, um, it also brings a lot of challenges for many industries and particularly for IT professionals. Uh, today, we're going to explore some of those challenges and we'll talk about some plans and some strategies for ensuring that your workplace is ready for the cloud transition. And Tracy, I want to start with you, um, just, just using that as a jumping point. So what can you do to ensure that your workforce is ready to manage your critical infrastructure in the cloud? You know, that, that's a great question. And, and I think there, there's a couple things that, you know, you need to look at. You mentioned the fact that there's been this uh, tremendous growth uh, within the cloud. And, you know, that, that certainly has been accelerated with uh, COVID. I, I was just reading some articles literally today, though, that were talking about the fact that uh, there's expectations that uh, the COVID blip is not just a blip. In fact, that uh, there's going to be even more acceleration in 2021 uh, towards the cloud. And that's fantastic because there's tremendous tremendous things that, you know, tremendous benefit that the cloud offers. But, you know, with that, with this, this really rapid uptake uh, it, with the cloud, there's absolutely a skills gap there, you know, and um, I, the, the number of folks that are in organizations that are moving to the cloud that, that are in, intimidated by the cloud, that, that aren't sure uh, what's in the cloud, that, that really does generate a skills gap. And, you know, you hear things like, there's, you know, 170 different uh, services provided by one of the cloud vendors. And, and that tends to get 
a little bit concerning as far as, okay, we're moving into this cloud. How do we go about doing that? And, you know, I, I think what's what's really important is that you you start out with this, this fundamental grounding of not only what the cloud is, but also what the cloud isn't, right? And and how how it provides it at a basic level functionality that makes it easier for your company. And, and I think that's one thing that really is forgotten a lot when people start talking about the cloud. The whole purpose of moving to the cloud is, is to really make it better for your organization, to make it so that you know, your organization, uh, whether it is uh, government or whether it's, it's you know, private industry or, or even you know, uh, a uh, you know, charitable organization, whatever it is, or, or frankly, just you want to play around, uh, our, our uh, uh, chief content officer who's, who's been on a few of these uh, was, was sh showing me you know, a month ago uh, where he's like, ah, you know what? I want to set up some uh, security stuff. And he just set up a global security monitoring system over the weekend using the cloud, right? But in order to do that, you need to, one, know what the cloud is and what you're doing in the cloud, but also know what's available across different clouds and, and how you can make the choices to uh, really you know, target what you need to the, uh, to the platform that's going to best cover that need. Yeah, I think it's so interesting that you that you uh, say that and drive that point home, Tracy. Figuring out and really clarifying what the cloud is, but also um, as important what it isn't. Uh, Antoine, do you think there's a certain degree of maybe fear among some security officers or some in the IT workspace that uh, transferring to the cloud is is just I don't know. Do you think there's a certain degree of fear there of the unknown? I see where you're where you're going. I think it's a it's a great question because I think um, fear is a great motivator, but at the same time, um, it's a big brick wall. I think in um, any aspect, we all hit it right. So um, I think there's some misconception in terms of you know on prem to cloud and having a firm understanding um, to you know the policies and the securities and you know on on prem you want you know a a perimeter of security but it doesn't work the same way it's not one to one so i think that in terms of fear from the it side yes because you know if you have you know your development uh, team and you're going into the cloud and every you want to go aws but your handful of engineers are all azure that's that's already an issue because you don't have somebody there as a leader to lead the way into the environment that you want to go into right so you have to have a, a good understanding so yes of course you know the the not knowing what's ahead of you in the journey i think is the biggest fear of anybody's um you know projection of where you're going to be and then it comes to the question like you know how long is it going to take us to get there what are those steps well you know this is where we are and this is where you want to go and we have to build out a you know business strategy and put the teams you know the heads of the teams together to create that strategy and kind of um go rubber meet the road you know and take it one step at a time but yeah absolutely fear is definitely there uh, just for the both of you, I wonder if we could talk about some strategies for leveraging your team's existing skill sets, kind of minimize the disruption and the risk with transitioning to the cloud. You know, that that's a great question. And and I do want to uh, real, get back to Antoine's comment because I think it's, it's really relevant. Uh, but, you know, I, I think 
part of it, and, and this actually does tie into what Antoine was saying, is that you know, when you see a migration to a cloud, it's usually a phased migration. You're usually seeing folks say, okay, uh, what we often call lift and shift. Right, where they're saying, okay, we have certain workloads on premises. We have these in a virtualized environment. There's a virtualized hosted environment available in the cloud. And we can take what we're doing on premises and we can shift that into the cloud, right? And, and really, in a lot of ways, that's a great way to start. And uh, you know, there's a lot of really smart people that have decided to start that way, so it kind of <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. But you know, what that means is a couple of things. It means that uh, first of all, the the skill sets, a lot of those skill sets that your infrastructure people have, for example, um, those skill sets are going to translate into the cloud. And so you're not learning a fully new way of doing something. A, a virtualized computer is a virtualized computer, whether you're running it on-premises in VMware or if you're running it in Hyper-V or you're taking that exact same workload exactly defined the same way. And you know, as it turns out, the cloud providers are more than happy to help you migrate what you have on premises into their environment. It's, it's shockingly a lot easier to get it in than out. But you know, the thing is that, you know, and again, to that fear factor, people think it's gonna be completely different. It's not. Now, it is different. Right, because you know the way that I manage a virtual machine in Azure is different than the way I manage a virtual machine in VMware, for example, or AWS, etc. But I think you know you get over that, and and again, just just a harp on, on on what Antoine said, you get over that fear factor, and you say, okay, it is different. So, but but there's a lot of the skills that I have that are going to translate over, you know, and you look at that on the networking side, right, and. I, I tell you what, if, if, you, if you want to not have an ego, hang out with network engineers because like, <laughs> the, the conversations that they have, uh, you know, about the protocols and, and the hardwares and, you know, the designs that they come up with are, are amazing. And, and, you know, one of the things I've found is that network engineers in particular make that transition into the cloud really pretty easily because there's a lot of the same things, but there's just a lot less they have to worry about because it's all software-defined networking, you know, but you still have that, that need to connect up, you know, and, and what I always tell people is, you know, you kind of look at the cloud as being another data center and, and just a wide area network, right? But now instead of having to do all the wiring and, and all the switching and all the other things that the network geniuses that, that always make me feel bad about what I do, um, but all those things that they do, you know, they, they're still gonna do them, but there's just a lot less that they're going to have to do in the cloud, if that makes sense. Yeah, what are your thoughts on that, Antoine? Uh, I mean, to definitely say um, that Tracy has his point, it's 100% accurate. Uh, you know, I think that going back to the fear aspect, when you don't know what you're getting into, it's it's very difficult to to feel that confidence. But you know, as you lift and shift and you see, you know, wh where the strategy comes into place and, you know, you see where the, where the problems come up, you start to deal with them. And in every organization, the, the, what, I, what I think that the fear should come in is leaving your gaps in security as you're building these things, not the actual process of getting into it. But I think that, you know, that mindset of we're gonna be cloud first, that's not a business strategy. That's just an idea thought for what your business is going to do. And there's a huge, um, you know, 
um, misconception of what your understanding of the cloud is and what your shared responsibility and Tracy and I were definitely on the same page with that. The shared responsibility model, nobody understands it. Like, I don't wanna say nobody understands it, obviously people do, but I think that a lot of people kind of skim through it and have like, oh, I'm SaaS based or, you know, I am IAS or I am PAS. So this is, you know, what I'm supposed to be doing and you're supposed to be responsible for this, but that's not always the case. There's always that SLA, read the fine print of what, what really is. And that's where the fear should come in, is not having understanding of where you're going. So how yeah. often, oh, go ahead, Tracy. Oh, no, I was going to say one thing that, that I think is really important. And it, it was funny because I think uh, Antoine and I uh, bonded very quickly over the concept <laughs> of shared responsibility is that you know, the flip side of going, oh, it's so different, I'm not going to be able to move into the cloud, is the concept of, oh, I'm moving into the cloud, so now the cloud provider is responsible for everything, mm -hmm. you know, and particularly, for example, when it comes to security, there's some really cool stuff out there, for example, on, you know, the the actual physical data center security that the cloud providers are going to give you, you know, that's their business. But it's your business to really secure your workloads. It's your business to secure your data. And that doesn't change, right? It doesn't change because you're now in the cloud. It's it's the same rules. And, and I mean, I, I think, you know, this is something, Antoine, uh, you know, I, I would say, what's your comment? For me, that's the biggest thing, particularly when it comes to security, where the vulnerability in the cloud is, is not that the cloud is, is inherently more vulnerable, or that the cloud is inherently less vulnerable, but it's that people will say, oh, okay, that's not my problem anymore, right? But but it is. It is, and it doesn't just stem from this level. It really stems from the guys who get their hands dirty doing the work that's trickling down from the, from the business and from the IT um, uh, plans, right? Because if you talk to an engineer who's trying to you know, push out code and push out, you know, into the repository and you say, oh, where's the, we're in this process of security aspect of it. And so that's not my responsibility. I'm just here to push, done, you know, and then some, and then it trickles through. But again, it's, it, you know, you're absolutely right. It's, it, it's, it's just, you know, companies leaving gaps and not following through to, to having a plan that without faults, every plan has, it's going to have its its faults. It's just a matter of how you catch them, when you catch them, and what you do about them. Sounds like a, I'm reminded of a phrase my twin five year old daughter say all the time: "Teamwork makes the dream work." Right. A hundred percent. Right. There you go. And, and here we're a community. It's not. It's not just teams. I mean, like I'm sure Tracy can agree with me. We're every company. Right in the, it, whether you're a tech company, whether you're a retail company, if you're cloud-based, we're all fighting the same battle, yeah. right? You're 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 fighting a battle to stay secure, to stay compliant, to keep you know revenue moving, you know business continuity. But I think there's you know going back to the fear topic, and Tracy, correct me if I'm wrong. Most companies, when they're hit, even if they know they're hit, they don't even want to talk about it. It's like taboo with them, and Honestly, I think that the way to for all of us to win is for that to change and for it to be 
open and shared like this is what happened like okay we're suckers like we messed up we let somebody in the back door the s3 was open to the network yada yada we know what the issues are and misconfigurations but how and what you did about it as a playbook for all of us that's the i think that's the key for all of us to succeed yeah, and I, I think that's absolutely a valid point. And and to kind of go towards, you know, something Antoine just just mentioned there, and he kind of threw out uh, a concept there, uh, S3 endpoints. Uh, if, if you're not uh, super cloud aware, S3 is the uh, storage area uh, in, in AWS. And you may not think that you, you have anything to do with it, but it's highly likely that uh, you, you have been given links to things that are stored in S3. And one of the issues with going to the cloud, and this is where, you know, I, I'm going to kind of play both sides of the argument. On the one hand, you want to leverage what you already have, right, as you move into the cloud. But, but as you move into the cloud, there are some new challenges, and particularly when it comes to security, right? So, you know, if, if I'm on premises and I've got, let's say, a file server, you know, it's, it's it's a vulnerability, but it's really well known, you know. And let's say that I'm in a Windows environment, and so uh, you know I've I've got just a Windows file server, and and so I'm controlling access to that, and that's fine, right? And and that's really well known. But now you're going into the cloud and you're storing things in this thing called S3. Well, how how do you secure that? And it's knowable, right? But but you have to know it, and, and that's where you know it's it is more than just lift and shift, and particularly as you start to uh, really move along in your maturity in the cloud, right? And you start to use things like S3, uh, like uh, let's say a Lambda function in AWS or or a function app Aurora. in in uh, the the Azure environment or in Google Cloud Platform, right? Now, what you need to start doing is is truly understanding those services. You're going to get a lot of value. There's there's tremendous value from using cloud storage. It's a huge reason why people move to cloud storage. But you know, just just again, just that one little aside there. Hey, uh, I I have an unsecured endpoint in S3. That that's huge. It's but it's also something that's fixable, and you know, it's something that is. A, a misconfiguration or a non-configuration because maybe somebody didn't really fully understand what S3 storage is and didn't fully understand how to lock down S3 storage. Which it, it's- Go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, all I was gonna say, which to, to which bring us to Tracy and I would probably understand that again, how do you, how do you fix something like that? It's understanding your frameworks and what policies you have wrapped around um you know your resources and having having an, a clear understanding as to how to implement um the those policies to the best of of your of your ability i suppose because training is really what it comes down to and experience is really what it comes down to um having you know oversights you know so it's you know not just an automated which by the way, I love automation, but having a blanket policy automating something to cause bigger problems than the one that you're trying to solve is also something that, that should be a fear for, for most companies. Yeah, I wanted to get to uh, get to multiple cloud vendors. And uh, Tracy, you brought up this stat to me, 80% of current cloud uh, public cloud customers opting to deploy across multiple cloud vendors right now. So. Uh, 
let's talk cash. Uh, how do you optimize your cloud training budget when that's the case? You know, that, that's a really great question. And uh, I'm going to answer that question, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about something else first. And, uh, you know, I wa I'm going to share uh, a couple of anecdotes. You know, I, I am, uh, my, my upbringing in the cloud is uh, in the Azure environment. Uh, I, I play around in Azure, I play around in AWS, and I, and I play around in Google Cloud. Uh, but, you know, I spent the first eight years of playing in the cloud really exclusively in Azure. And so that's kind of where my mindset is. And uh, my son, uh, who I, I love to death, but is completely uh, just betrays me at every, every opportunity. He's, uh, no, he really doesn't. But he's, he's a developer and he's, he's an AWS developer. And so uh, we'll kind of get, not for AWS, but he builds his apps in there. Um, you know, and, and, you know, we kind of go back and forth And this weekend, I was, I was building what's called a Lambda function in AWS. And, and I was kind of frustrated because I was like, well, this would just be so easy for me just to do in Azure. And, and then I finally got it. And I said, well, okay, that, that was really kind of, uh, well, I was wrong. It wasn't hard, but it, it comes back to, and I swear, I'm going to get to your, your question in a moment. It comes back to this, and you know, it, it, there's there's that saying where if you know two languages, it's a lot easier to pick up a third language, right? Because what you do is you you stop thinking about the language itself, and you start thinking about the communication, right? And the same is true for programming. You know, if if I've only ever programmed in one language, that's how I see the world. I used to teach programming. I would see people come through this way, like you know, oh, this was so easy, so much easier to do in this other language. No, because that's the only way you thought about it, mm. right? Well, you know, the more that I work across clouds, the more I realize that that's, that's a dangerous approach to knowledge. And particularly now where we have, you know, cloud is becoming a commodity. You know, yes, we have, there's, there's a dozen different cloud vendors. There's three of the biggest outside of China, uh, which would be AWS and Azure and Google Cloud Platform, right? But so much of what you see, and frankly, what I was uh, really, I don't know, guilty is not the right word, but kind of the way I was too, is that the, the, the knowledge, the training is stovepiped, right? You learn Azure, or you learn AWS, or you learn Google Cloud Platform, and then if you need to make that switch, you have to kind of go back to the beginning and start all the way up because you you weren't thinking about cloud. You were thinking about Google Cloud Platform or you were thinking about AWS, right? And so I think one of the things that, that is missing, and, and I'm gonna throw a little plug for INE in here, one of the things that we've really committed to at INE is, is starting from the, the concept first, right? Because whether it is a, what people love to call serverless right now, uh, which is what I was working on with Lambda, whether it's serverless or a database or whether it is a virtual machine or, or EC2 in, in AWS, there's a lot more in common than there is different. And, and so what I think makes sense and what, what we see as making sense and, and where there's a real need is to start your, your cloud training budget so I eventually get back to the and concept you're, of you're getting back to it. I see where getting you're back going. To it. <laughs> is, is look at saying, okay, let's let's focus on on thinking about cloud in general, right? And you you're going to need that expertise. Look, if you're hosting a workload, 
in AWS, you need to have people who have that expertise in AWS, 100%, right? But you should start with, with concept first, mm-hmm. you know, and, and start with, okay, you know, what is infrastructure as a service? It's a term that's bandied about and, and going beyond just, okay, well, that means just, you know, they're providing the basic infrastructure you build. Well, what does that mean to you as somebody who's going to actually implement a workload? Right. And you get that that fundamental concept first, and then it's a much smaller path up to that expertise level within any given provider. Right. And and to use an analogy, it's it's like if you think about uh, networking, right, you know, maybe, you know, I'm I'm, and by the way, I hope nobody asks me any questions about these because I can throw out the acronyms and that'd be about it. Uh, But, you know, maybe, you know, uh, BGP. Right. And you know that really well. Okay, well, that's great because then when you have to go and deploy that in a particular network vendor, you need to learn the details of the network vendor, but you already know what BGP is, right? And so I think when it comes to really preparing your team, it's that look at the fundamentals first, right? And take an approach to to skilling up your team where you start with the fundamentals and then you can then branch into that level of expertise, but it's going to give you a better foundation and it's going to give you that ability if if you choose to move between these what should be commodity vendors at this point, it's going to be a lot easier to do that. Yeah, it seems so. Uh, it seems so common sense to learn the skill and then learn the program, you know. But right. um, you know, it it certainly doesn't seem like it's the industry standard. But with that, I want to move into the audience uh, Q and A section. We've had some great questions from our audience, and uh, the first one. Uh, Antoine, I want to direct this one to you. How has the SolarWinds hack affected multi-cloud enterprise? Good question. Um, I guess the first thing I can say is, uh, regardless of whether you're cloud-based or multi-cloud-based, it's affecting you. Because at the end of the day, a bad actor got through the back door, uh, the, the you know, infected malware, stole, you know, personal private data. So, how does it affect the enterprise the same way, regardless one way or the other is just a matter of how many resources it's taken down in the process, how big you big your infrastructure was that, it, that it, that you got hit, right? Because one company's damage isn't going to be the same as another, but if you look at it in terms of like, you know, percentage of your, it could be the same. It's just a matter of the dollar amount damage, but ultimately cloud or multi-cloud doesn't matter. It was bad for all of us. Yeah, and you know, if, if if you don't mind just kind of going on that, uh, one of the things that was pretty interesting is that uh, you know there there was I was waiting on it, you know, as as a cloud person, I was like, okay, let's see how this hits the cloud, and you know, certainly the the uh, the articles start hitting how you know that the cloud's getting hit by this and it's a target. Well, like if you really look at those, it, it's exactly what Antoine was saying. It's it's not that it's the cloud. And it's not that it's multi-cloud; it's that there was a a hack, there there was uh, you know a breach, and if if you have resources in the cloud and you were breached, those resources are exactly as vulnerable mm-hmm. as the resources that you had on premises, right? It goes to that uh, it goes to that shared responsibility model that we were talking about is that. You know, you, you are responsible. And, you know, one of the things that was kind of interesting 
was that one of the targets uh, of of the uh, SolarWinds hack was Active Directory Federation Services or ADFS, right? And so you can you can look at that and say, oh wow, uh, ADFS got hit. Well, what actually happened was you know the 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 software was running on premises and it uh, you know it got in and it, it had breached the on-prem environment and they got the accounts they needed to then take over ADFS, which then gave them access to all of the cloud assets, you know? And, and so I think it, it comes down to that. Uh, I, I think what uh, Antoine was saying, you know, things to be afraid of is it's, it's more about being afraid of uh, having a vulnerability anywhere in your environment and that you can't from a security standpoint, treat the cloud differently than you do on-premises. Yeah, and you're, you mentioned, uh, you know, in the same vein, security. We had another question from our audience. As it relates to cybersecurity, what current steps are being taken to secure the cloud? And just picking up off, off of your answer there, Tracy. So, uh, you know, what's what's kind of interesting about that is that I think, and and this is, you know, just kind of keeping an eye on the cybersecurity environment. I think Antoine probably uh, certainly can add to this, but uh, you know, look, there's tremendous amounts of of money and resources that are going into the cloud, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, that means a the threats are going to follow that, but it also means that you know it's it's in the cloud vendor's best interest uh, to have good tooling, and I know. Uh, really across the, the major cloud players, uh, they are building and they are improving their internal as well as the tools that they make available to users. I know, for example, uh, I believe it's within the next month or so that there's going to be some pretty significant announcements coming out of the Microsoft side uh, with some of the improved tooling that they have uh, for cloud. So I think, you know, again, it, it all comes back to it's 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 not fundamentally different where your resources are, there's going to be attacks. It's just now you've got, you know, the largest companies in the world that are providing, you know, security and platforms to to help you do it. And, and I know, uh, Antoine, I'm going to throw it over to you because I know this is something that you've got a lot of experience with. It certainly uh, is. Um, geez, where to begin? Um, so I would say that, you know, of course, you know, every company that that you speak to when it comes down to uh, making a decision are you being reactive to a situation right or are you being active to the situation and most companies will say we're reacting to something because of what that gap in time is from the time that the incident has happened to the time that it's investigated and found where it actually is. And that's ma mainly because, you know, with companies going into the cloud and having so many resources up and, and it, it ultimately creates something we like to call uh, alert fatigue, right? The, you're getting so many different um, violations coming in house. And if you, I'm kind of jumping all over the place, but I know we're in a short period of time. So I'm going to try to hit the big points here. Um, suppressing violations that, that are alert, that, that are, um, that actually are violations, right. Versus, um, going through thousands of alerts that, that could be false negatives. And those are where your gaps in security is because you essentially, that means that the business is saying we are okay with accepting minimal amounts of risk when you really don't have to. 
And that's that boils down to, again, what is your security strategy? What tools do you have in place? Um, what training are, do you, are your teams having for these tools? Are they just there and you're not using them? I, I've, been, I've been dumbfounded by how many companies really do have tools which were made for issues that aren't really in the dynamic sense that we see them in today. The reliability is still there. But when you say like, oh, well, our tool scans and, we, and we're giving you alerts, you come into you know, 6 a.m. into the morning, and you have 2,000 alerts, who's going through them? You have, you have dedicated teams who are shifting through these alerts, suppressing uh, some of the violations that they think are, are, are low, and they really could be that foot door for a bad actor to get in. And that's typically where, where, it's, where it's happening is at that, that level, right? So for where, where we at Zekbaris are, we take a different approach to, to the overall problem. We're looking at, at the risk, not just you know our risk appetite, right? That the initial business uh, starts out with, but where your posture is today in real time. And that's, I think that's the biggest gap is most organizations don't know what their, what their baseline uh, risk uh, posture is, what the risk score is today. And uh, furthermore, the steps that, that are being taken on a day-to-day basis, they change what your true risk score is to the minute because your resources change, the policy doesn't. And I, I think that coming back to what we were speaking about earlier about security frameworks and understanding, you know, taking a policy and putting it around um, your your, uh, security, um, um, sorry, lost train of thought, Uh, around you. Wow. Uh, Around your... um, that's okay. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna bail you uh, bail, bail you out. out on that. Um, I tell you what, uh, Catherine, you mind if I I see there is a um, there's a question there about uh, platforms you can recommend for managing workloads. Yeah, uh, I was from... gonna get to that. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. All right. Sorry, guys. So uh, here here's the thing. Um, right now, what's interesting is. All right, so the question is, are there platforms you can recommend for managing workloads across multiple cloud providers, uh, centrally monitoring workload costs uh, in AWS and Azure, centrally monitoring security posture of workloads, which I I think, uh, Antoine, that that kind of heads towards uh, where you were talking about uh, in AWS and Azure, and migrating workloads uh, from AWS to Azure and vice versa. So that is a really layered question. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take some of that, but not necessarily all of it. Um, I think in terms of monitoring, and you know, th- there are, first of all, the cloud providers, uh, are going to give you their own monitoring solution. And you know those monitoring solutions not only are going to provide a, a rich monitoring environment, you know, whether you're talking about uh, you know cloud watch for the AWS environment or just Azure monitor, 
but they also have uh, APIs that allow you to integrate application programming interfaces that allow you to integrate them with other software. Mm -hmm. um, I think, uh, you know, maybe a year ago, I'd say, hey, SolarWinds would be a, a great tool for that, but uh, maybe not quite as much now. <laughs> um, but I, I think, you know, there, there's kind of two extensions of that. And, and I bring up SolarWinds kind of jokingly because, you know, unfortunately that, that was other issues going on there. But um, if most monitoring tools are agent-based monitoring tools. And uh, for a lot of those monitoring tools, you're gonna find that, you know, particularly if you are new into the cloud, uh, you know, you're gonna be able to uh, use the same tools that you're using on-premises because you're gonna use the same agents and the same VMs that are running now in the cloud rather than running on-premises. So, you know, whether you're talking about Splunk or uh, any other of the, you know, very common tools that you use mm -hmm. uh, for uh, multi-vendor monitoring, those will work. Plus, uh, you, so you, you've got the native tools. Um, you also have what's interesting is the native providers uh, are are starting to build tools that are designed conceptually uh, for multi-cloud man management. Uh, for example, uh, what I'm most familiar with is uh, the Azure environment. And within the Azure environment, you've got Azure Arc, uh, which came out, uh, I guess I want to say in 2019. And I was super excited about because it was a, a on-prem and cloud managing and monitoring environment, and it worked across clouds and it did about nothing. So uh, it, was, it was a little bit unfortunate there, but it's also something that, that has been invested in. And I know uh, you've got you know, other tools there. There are certain vendors that I think that you can look at. I know Red Hat has a lot of uh, tools that are uh, cross cloud available, but I'll also say uh, you know, from, from what I've seen, other than the ones that are agent-based, that it's, it's a space that's a little bit lacking um, I think, you know, you've got certain tools, uh, not exactly what the question was, but you've got certain tools that are, you know, um, infrastructure as code tools uh, and DevOps tools. Those are a ton, of, a number of those are very well integrated. I know, uh, you know, one that myself and a lot of other people are very familiar with, Terraform, for example, uh, is a great tool for being able to deploy across multiple clouds. But again, uh, a lot of those agent-based tools do have things built in. So there's a very good chance that if you're using tools now, particularly if they're cross-vendor type tools, right, that are that are designed to work uh, not just for Microsoft or, you know, not just for IBM or, or uh, you know, for whatever, uh, I think those are going to be really good candidates. Now, uh, in the security space, I think, Antoine, in terms of tools that they're going to work across the security space, uh, you'd probably be a little bit better answering that question than I would. So, um, absolutely, just to kind of uh, uh, tie through. Yeah, absolutely. So every, um, you know, AWS, GCP, Azure, they all have their, their, their security um, uh, tools to to help you in terms of managing you you know into a single pane of glass and seeing your environments to an extent. I think that uh, I think the limitations become as you try to scale to a certain size. I think that if a, if an organization it can manage to do things manually 
without without so much automation, I think you're still in a in a winning column. But I think once you once you're growing and, and your organization is a thousand plus, it becomes very difficult to manage everything uh, with with teams. I think there are certain uh, certain uh, tools that you have to have in place in order to integrate with y- your your platforms and in, in order to be able to scale. Excellent. All right. Uh, gentlemen, thank you so much. There's so much to talk about. A lot of really exciting things happening in cloud, obviously. Um, cloud is having a bit of a moment now. This upcoming episode, we're focusing on uh, cloud security concerns, really, uh, kind of jumping off from what we were talking about toward the end of our discussion here. Uh, cloud pen testing, some best practices. We've got INE instructor Philip Wiley and uh, former bear wrestler, by the way, and uh, industry expert John Helmus teed up. Uh, again, all coinciding with INE's Cloud Week, so be sure to head over to our website, social media. In the meantime, if you have a topic that you would like to see us discuss here on BizTech Blueprint, you can email me at kbrown at INE.com or find us on social. We're uh, anywhere and everywhere, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all over the place. So uh, find us and uh, and shoot me an idea. Use the hashtag BizTech Blueprint. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Uh, really thank appreciate you. your time and great conversation today. Hey, thank you so much, Pleasure. Catherine. And I, I just want to add to that, by the way, you know, if there's questions you had you didn't put up there, feel free to reach out to us. Love answering questions. And uh, I just want to thank you for everybody that that showed up. Thank you for your time coming on. And again, Catherine, thank you so much for having us and, and putting this all together. Thank you, Catherine. Awesome. Thanks, Antoine and Tracy. Everyone have a great day. Great Tuesday, I think. We're almost halfway through the week. (laughs) Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Take it easy. Take care. Bye-bye.